Well, good morning. It is good to be here on a beautiful day. Spring is in the air. Often in Beijing, there's a lot of, a lot of things in the air in the way of pollution, but today it's spring, so I'll take it. I'm excited uh, to think about warmer weather coming. So, you know, I remember back in the late 80s, ceiling fans became all the rage. I know that's a really weird thing to say, but I think it's true. I remember when I was in high school, um, maybe it's just in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., but everybody seemed to be installing ceiling fans. And our family was no exception. Uh, one day, my dad brought home a large box with a ceiling fan in it for us to install. And I enjoyed doing stuff with my hands. And of course, I was always a good kid, uh, so I was willing to help out. And my dad and I got started putting the fan together. It wasn't rocket science, so it didn't take us too long to take what was in the box and make it into what looked like a ceiling fan. And uh, so we were pretty excited. But then came the, the hard part, and that was to connect the fan to the ceiling. And uh, all the different wires and the different bolts and everything. And I can still vividly remember watching my dad standing on a wooden chair in the middle of our family room as he's trying to mess with all of this stuff. And being the good son, I ask him, Dad, are you sure you turned the power off? And I remember the look he gave me as he said, of course I turned the power off. What do you think, I'm crazy? And so what happened next, you probably guess, it happened quickly. I don't remember much, but I do remember that uh, there was a large flash of light and my dad lying on the floor next to the wooden chair. And thankfully he was okay, just a little singed. But laughing while lying there on the ground, he turned to me and said, well, I guess I hadn't turned the power off. And the funny thing is, is we got it installed once we cut, we cut the power for the whole house this time. We're not taking any chances. And once we got it installed after that whole ordeal and making sure that my dad didn't have too many electrical burns, we, uh, we got it installed and, and we never used it. We tried to use it, but we had a little dog who was part of our family, and our dog was deathly afraid of the fan. So whenever you turn the fan off, it would whimper and run out of the room. And so, because we love our dog, we just didn't use the fan anymore. Um, but the funny thing is, is if you come to my apartment in Tiantongyuan, going into the kitchen, there's a light switch that is hanging off the wall. It's about halfway off the wall, and it's been like that for months. And I love to fix things with my hands. I love projects to do around the house to feel like I'm doing something. Um, but I won't touch electricity. And I think it's because of that. Because my dad was sure that the, that the power was off. Have you ever been sure of something and it not be true? Or have you ever been sure of something and then been, been disappointed? You know, another thing that I was, thought that I was sure of was I thought I was sure, I thought for sure JJ and I were done having kids. But uh, this August, we will be having our fourth. I turned 42 yesterday. And so, 
JJ will be 41 when the baby's born, and we're feeling pretty old. We thought we were done. We gave away everything. We wanted to bless other people, and, and we thought it was taking up space in our, our apartment, and so we gave it all away because we thought we were done. Well, apparently I was wrong, and, and God had a different plan. I think he had a better plan. So how can we be sure of something? Recently, several members uh, in the Capital Community Congregation have even asked me that question. But specifically, they ask, how can I be sure that I'm a Christian? Or maybe they ask it in a different way. Maybe they ask, you know, Eric, I remember making a decision for God years ago, but how do I know that I'm still a Christian? Could I have lost that? And so that's what I wanted to talk about today, is I wanted to talk about how we can know with certainty that God is in our life. And how we can know with certainty uh, that we are Christians. And how we can know with certainty that when we die and we go to heaven, that we will be able to experience eternal life with God. It's one of the most important things we can know. You know, my friend Damon, uh, I grew up with my my friend Damon. Damon was, uh, ever since we were little, we'd be playing football in the backyard. And I'd throw him a pass. And it would just hit him in the face because he's standing there looking up in the sky. And Damon was very athletic, but I'm like, Damon, what are you doing? And he would say, that's a 747. And he would tell me all these details about planes that I don't even care about. But he was excited. And Damon had a vision to be a pilot. And when he got older, uh, he started working for an airline and became a pilot. And I remember being jealous of him because this was pre-9-11, but he would actually just go to the airport with a carry-on bag, and he could fly on standby on any flight that he wanted for free. And so he would go to the airport and be like, I don't know where I'm going, but I've got a bag, and I'm excited. And he would just go to different terminals and, or gates and say, hey, do you have, do you have any standby seats? And that and that weekend, he would spend in Cincinnati or Atlanta or wherever, wherever the airline would take him. But because of my friend Damon, I remember watching, I see people that fly standby. And it makes me nervous for them. Because I'm sitting there with my tickets, and I know I'm getting on that plane. But if you ever watch anybody that flies standby, they're nervous. Maybe they're pacing back and forth. Maybe they're biting their nails. Maybe they're, I don't know, they're stressed. There's inner turmoil. Because they don't know, am I getting on that plane? And you know, I think recently, the people that I've talked to from Capitol that have asked me about, am I truly saved? I think that same turmoil is going on in their hearts, but to a much higher degree, to a much higher level. They're wondering, am I truly saved? What will happen to me when I die? And that's not God's desire for us. God's desire is for us to have peace. He wants us to know that we have tickets, that we're confirmed, and that we can be confident about that. So I wanted to ask you a question. Let's say you go out into the Beijing traffic, and it's pretty crazy, 
and I hate to say it, but there's a car accident, and you die. And the next thing you know, you're standing at the gates of heaven, and there's a line, and God says, why should I let you in? I want you to take a minute and think about it. What would you say if God says, why should I let you into heaven? Just in your own heart, think about it for one minute. Okay, now based on that answer, if you had to put it on a scale from zero to 100, zero being you have absolutely no confidence that you would be in heaven, and 100 being you're absolutely sure, where would you put yourself? Because I believe that God wants us to be 100% sure. And so we're going to look at some scripture verses today that help us answer that. And I really want us to, to see that God's heart and his desire is for us to know with confidence that we are saved. And that confidence changes our lives, not just, it doesn't just change our eternity. I think often people look at Christianity as, as fire insurance or, or something that would, would keep us from going to hell, help us experience heaven. But if we can be 100% confident that, that, that we have a relationship with the Lord, that changes how we live on this earth as well. And we'll talk, talk about that a little later. So 1 John 5, 11 to 13 says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. I encourage you this week to read the book of 1 John. It was originally written to young believers throughout Asia Minor, which is actually present-day Turkey. And I think it's written to give us confidence. It's a very short book. It's only a few chapters. But in that time... John shares with us nine different times that we are safe in Christ. If you read, even if you read at the beginning of this chapter, in chapter 5, it says that this is God's testimony. It's not based on how I feel that day. It's not based on the things that I do. But it's based on his word and his testimony. And so we can trust that. We can have confidence in that. So this says... If I have the Son of God, I have life. So then you might be asking me the next question, well, how do I know that I truly have the Son? How do I get the Son into my life? Well, we do that by accepting Jesus as our personal Savior and Lord. Well, you might be asking, okay, well, how do I do that? Well, or some of you might be thinking, okay, well, I think I already did that, but I'm not sure. Well, I wanted to show a, a, a short video that I, I love it. I think it's very creative and it's very clear on how we can know God personally. I, I just love how clear and concise that is. I feel like it sums up a lot in just a short, short couple minutes. Uh, Romans 10.9 says, If we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, then we will be saved. 
So if we've done that, we can be confident and know that the Son is in us. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. So the way we accept Christ is we just invite him in. It's not by what we do, it's by what we believe. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of your own doing is the gift of God, not, a re- not as a result of works, so that no one would boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we may walk in them. You know, when I was younger, and I, be- I became a Christian in-, in high school, and I believed that I became a Christian through faith, but I also felt like I needed to keep earning it by the works that I did. And I felt like salvation came from both faith and works. But what I, what I realized is in this verse in Ephesians, it's saying, and that's not true at all. What this verse in Ephesians is saying is faith leads to salvation. And then that salvation leads us to do good works. And so the works come as a, a way of saying thank you. The works come as a way of rejoicing in the salvation that I have. But I think that we struggle in our Christian walk when we think that our works are in any effort to try and earn that salvation that we had. Because I think I did that for many years. I think I kept trying to earn back, like I could earn the cross myself. And that's not what God wants. God wants us to rest in Him. God wants us to know fully that we are His children, that we are loved and that we are redeemed. I wanted to invite my wife up to, to share just briefly. Uh, JJ became a Christian when she was 19. It was actually on her 19th birthday. Uh, she was selling books door to door in Atlanta in the middle of the summer and was really hot and didn't know what to do. And she was just, it was, it was her birthday. She didn't know anybody. She felt alone. So she just wanted to get into some place that had air conditioning because she was just going from door to door to door. And so, those of you who know JJ will be surprised by this, but JJ decided there's a church, I could just break into the church and sit, sit and enjoy the air conditioning. And uh, she ended up getting stuck in a stairwell, which is, was even hotter than it was outside, and she began to cry. And a woman who worked at the church came and found her in the stairwell and brought her to her, uh, this woman's office, and in the middle of... The, of talking with her, this woman led my wife to the Lord. And so now I wanted to share, have JJ share a few minutes just about what happened after that. Um, so uh, I was very nervous, and she led me through a prayer. She prayed, and I repeated it. And I was really excited. I was an atheist, and um, for the first time I realized God was real. He was there. And uh, I really wanted to know him. Um, about a month later, I got a letter from the woman who had led me to the Lord. And at, by that time, I was living very far away in the United States, uh, living with my sister, sleeping on her couch, waitressing. And uh, she had written me a letter. And I had been going to church with my sister, and I had been reading the Bible, which made no sense at all to me. <laughs> um, and uh, she wrote and said, JJ, just keep going to church, keep reading your Bible, keep praying. Um, and I thought, I've tried everything else. 
um, I'm going to try praying too. Because what I understood at that point, the way I imagined God was that he was, you know, sitting on a cloud somewhere up there, and he had this huge wooden desk, and it was full of paperwork and like five, you know, telephones that were constantly ringing because someone needed him, and that he had heard my prayer. But being an atheist, he really didn't believe me, and he really, he really didn't know if he actually wanted to have a relationship with me. And um, I just pictured him looking over the edge through the cloud and looking at my life and saying, yeah, nothing has changed. She's basically the same person. I don't think, I don't think this is for real, and I'm not going to waste my time. And every day that it went on like that, I just felt more and more desperate that I was going to miss my chance to know God. Um, so that night I prayed, I went into my sister's bedroom and I knelt down and, you know, I folded my hands just the way I thought you were supposed to, uh, pray. And I said, God, I really meant everything I said that day and I really want to know you. But if you don't want to know me, if you're just angry with me, I totally understand you have, that just makes sense. Um, but I promise you I'm going to find out what a Christian does, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be different because I really do want to know you. And if you want to help me, that would be great, and if you don't, that's okay too. Uh, the next morning I woke up, and it was the only morning that my manager ever scheduled me for a morning shift. And I went in, and to make a long story short, I ended up talking to one of my customers, and he was a believer. And when I found that out, I started to cry, and I said, please, I became a Christian a month ago, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Can you tell me what Christians do so I can, I can start doing it? And, um, and the guy looked at me with this blank look, and he said, I have no idea what you're supposed to do. And my heart just fell. And he said, all I know is this. Today I was on the interstate, and I was driving home, and... God spoke to me and told me I was supposed to come to this restaurant and I was supposed to talk to someone here. And I've been spending my whole breakfast trying like, to figure out who that person is. And he said, I think maybe I'm supposed to tell you this. He said, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but this is what God told me in my car. He said, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past and it doesn't matter what you're gonna do in the future. The minute you asked him to come into your life, he came in, and he's been with you, and he will never leave you. And it was amazing to know I could have a relationship with God. And I just want to say that if you feel like maybe you've prayed a prayer and you don't know, or you prayed a prayer and you felt pretty sure, and then you think, well, gosh, nothing like that happened to me. I just want to say, I know, I know a gentleman who his whole life wanted to be a doctor, and God took him off that road and sent him off an exit into a totally different uh, thing who studied Russian all through college, and, and God said, no, come to China and learn Chinese. And um, just because this may seem to fit more in normal life than some guy coming off an interstate talking to me in a restaurant doesn't mean my husband sharing these things with you is any less of a miracle uh, or any less a work of God and him bringing things together than my husband sharing this with you today. And, you know, those stories are great, but 
there's always another side. And one of the other sides for me was, I didn't pray for eight and a half months because I was terrified. Because if you pray, God hears you and then he does something. (laughs) And he really does. Maybe your answer wasn't within 12 hours like mine. Maybe it's here today. Uh, But it's no less a miracle. Thank you, JJ. Okay, I know this is a side note, but isn't she cute pregnant? So, Yeah, I just wanted to, at the end here, share a few verses that have encouraged me in knowing that, that, that I'm, I'm God's. And the first is looking at God uses us as children. Uh, here's a few verses that, that I like. John 1.12, but to all who have received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 1 John 3, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Those are three verses, but there's many, many verses in the Bible that talk about us being his children. I love that last one because what it's saying is, here, I'll I'll read the part that I like again. But we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So what that's saying is, is we're still a work in progress. What we will be has not yet happened. So it doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we have to be sinless. It just means that we need to be moving towards God, and God loves us, and it's not based on our effort. Like I said earlier, it's not based on the things we do. I, I love my kids. I love them to death, and there's absolutely nothing that my kids could do that would make me not want to be their dad. Now, my son, Noah, he's only, he's only 11 right now, but let's fast forward I don't know, five or six years, and he has a driver's license. And Noah decides, Dad, I want to borrow the car. And I say to Noah, I'm sorry, Noah, I'm not letting you borrow the car. And he says, but I really want to go on a road trip with my friends. I'm sorry, Noah, I don't think that's a good idea. You're too young. You're not borrowing the car. Well, if Noah decides, I know where Dad keeps the keys, I'm taking the car anyway. And so he and his buddies hop in the car, and they go on a trip for for three weeks. Well, is Noah still my son? Absolutely. The relationship has not changed. Am I in fellowship with Noah at the time? No, he's he's in Chengdu or Xi'an or wherever else he could go in three weeks' time. And that fellowship was broken. But that doesn't mean he's any less my son. There's still a relationship there. And I think that's one place where many believers get tripped up. 
as they feel like if I sin, then I'm separated from God. And you're not. But, you're, but there is some work that needs to happen to restore that fellowship. No one needs to bring the car home. He needs to apologize. And I, I will be quick to forgive. There might be some discipline, but I would be quick to forgive. I, I love the story of uh, there's this old couple driving in a truck, and they pull up behind another couple, a young couple that's also in a truck in front of them at a stoplight. The old man's driving the car here, and the woman is, the old woman in the car is all the way up against the window, laying against the window. And they pull up behind this other car, or other truck, and there's a younger couple in the car. And the guy's driving the car, and the young woman is almost sitting in his lap. She's pressed up against him. And the old woman and the old man both observe this. And the old woman says to the old man, well, why don't we sit like that anymore? And the old man's response was, well, I'm not the one that moved. And I think that's how it is with God. If there is any distance or any separation, it's things that we've done. But we can never do anything that would push us so far that we don't have a relationship with him anymore. Romans 8, 38 and 39, I think, shows that pretty clearly. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love this verse. It lists lots of different things, but the thing that I like most is when it says, nor anything else in all creation. And you know why I like that? Is because that includes me. I think I, if it's easy for me to believe God exists, I know he's there, but I often feel like I'm going to do something that's going to screw it up. I'm going to do something that's going to separate me from God. And what this is saying is even things in all creation, which includes me, there's nothing I can do that would separate me. Another verse I like is John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I love that verse because in many ways, what's in, in the Father's hand, it's passive. When I'm holding a cup or when I'm holding a, a child, they don't have to do anything to stay in my hand. They just need to, to rest and be there. It's, it's my responsibility to make sure I don't drop my cup or drop my child. And it's, so what this is saying is it's God's responsibility to make sure that we stay there. And, and that, that to me is a lot of assurance because I can trust in him more than I can trust in myself. So we're out of time, but I just wanted to end with uh, looking at this one verse again that I started with, 1 John 5. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that, that you may know that you have eternal life. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, and you know that's something you want to do, if you watch the video and, and there was an aha moment in your heart, I would encourage you to come down here and talk to me. My wife will be up here as well. You can come down and talk to her. Uh, some of the elders will be around as well. And so if, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, I would encourage you to do that.
and we can help you. And if you did it in the middle of the video when he asked you, then I would encourage you to tell somebody. Because one of the most important things for us when we trust Christ is that we be involved in relationships with other believers so we can str strengthen one another. And so I would encourage you to tell your small group or, or a friend, uh, or I would encourage you to come talk to me or JJ or some of the elders. Also, if you have questions still, that's great. Come talk to us. Uh, also, a great place to have your questions answered is uh, Dan and Bex do an alpha group, and the point, point of that group is to help people uh, know more about God. And so I would encourage you to check that out as well. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for today. Thanks for this beautiful sunny day. But even more, Lord, I thank you for your love that there's nothing that can separate us from it. Lord, thank you that we can have a relationship with you not based on our own abilities, our works, but based on your grace, which is a free gift. Thank you for the good news, the gospel of you sending Christ to die for our sins, to pay the penalty for, that we needed to pay, Lord, that we don't have to pay it, and our salvation is not based on who we are or what we did, but it's based on what you did on the cross. We love you, Lord. It's your name I pray. Amen.